Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Everyone, welcome back. Uh, If you're on YouTube, hi, nice to see you. If you're on the podcast land, great for you to join us again. Thank you very much. We really appreciate your attention. Today, I have Rob Wolf from Digital Asset News. So it's a bit of a different uh, episode, actually. I haven't done something of this nature before, but uh, this is one of the guys that that I've uh, followed for a long time, learned an awful lot from, and I thought he's got lots of valuable information that I want to share with you. So today, it is all about investing. It is all about crypto. It's about digital assets. Uh, So it's a very, very different uh, show. So I, I do hope Hope you enjoy it, get a lot of value out of it, and that you um, want to find out more if you're not already in this space. And if you are, you can definitely learn a lot from Rob. So before we head over to the show, just want to remind you to check out everything on our website, lisatarmati.com. If you're into health optimization, health and fitness, high performance, uh, check out the programs, the supplements, everything that we do over there from epigenetics to DNA testing to health optimization consulting, uh, motivational speaking books. We've even got jewelry range. Of course, we've got the anti-aging supplement range as well uh, if you're into longevity and anti-aging and run coaching. So make sure you check that all out on lisatamady.com. Right, over to the show with Rob Wolf. Well, hey everyone and welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have one of my uh, gurus, I want to say. This is someone that I've uh, admired and listened to every day. Uh, someone I learned an awful lot. And this podcast is going to be a little bit different than my standard ones around health and you know medicine and all that sort of good stuff. But I've got Rob Wolf with me today. Rob is an expert in everything uh, digital assets, so crypto, uh, NFTs, all of that sort of fancy stuff. So welcome to the show, Rob. It's fantastic to have you. Awesome, Lisa. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, I just absolutely love your work. And, and you're sitting in Texas at the moment. Um, right. And you live half the year in sort of Puerto Rico and half so half part of the time in Texas. But you're from Texas originally? Yeah. So, yeah, we do. Uh, well, like, like I say, we, we live in Puerto Rico, but we vacation in Texas, which is the exact <laughs> opposite of what other people do. But that's our, that's our lifestyle right now. Not a bad lifestyle <laughs> to have. And everybody teases you on your channel that that background is a screen, uh, a screen, oh. what do you call it? A green screen. A green screen. Yeah, yeah. They say, oh, it's a green screen. It looks like a green screen. I'm like, if it was a green screen, like you, it's hard to see the ripples and things like that. Or like <laughs> when I throw things in there, like so. <laughs> the only way that people believe me. So, yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd do that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody no, loves when I do that. <laughs> They're not a green screen. Got a lovely pool. Um, so, Rob, can you give us a bit of a background? Um, how the hell did you get into the space and where did you come from? You you have a background as a medic and a nurse and military. Yeah. Tell us about that. So it was uh, when I was younger, as most people do, they usually they they start out young and they go in the military. And that's what I want to do. So I, uh, high school and then right to military pretty much. And then in there, it was, uh, I was a, a medic or a combat medic and then did that for quite a bit of time. And then uh, they said, who wants to get out of the field? And I raised my hand and I said, great, you can go get cross-trained as a 91 Charlie, which was a nurse. And I was like, great, I don't want to be on the field anymore. So we, so we did that. And then when I got out of the military, then I went into uh, home health management. And then from there, I went into uh, medical device sales. It was a company called KCI. It was a wound vac company where we actually put these hydrophobic metal grade sponges inside wounds, tape them wow. up, and then it actually uh, compresses the, the wound. 
it uh, helps with uh, offloading the fluid and then uh, leads to granulation tissue. So did wow. that. And then, and then I, I realized that uh, it's never a great idea if you really want to really, really get ahead uh, to work for somebody for too long and you really want to start to work for yourself. So what I did was I started an online education platform for nurses. I helped them uh, figure out the whole process of getting through the nursing uh, program. So I would record myself doing you know, basic things like doing a, a pulmonary assessment, doing a neurological assessment, and just put that online. And that was my first kind of uh, uh, alternative income. And then I started there. And then we got into, then me and my wife got into uh, real estate, and that was a little bit more profitable. And then we got into, we have a, um, a sports facility here in El Paso, sand volleyball and sand soccer. And then from there, then everything was good for quite some time, actually. Just kind of did that. Didn't have to, since 2015, I was uh, terminally unemployable because I was doing all the, the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial things that I wanted to do. But uh, at some point, I figured out that, uh, I mean, this is great and everything, but maybe I should get into a little more investing. So the first, the first exposure I had to crypto was in 2012. 2012, yeah. Well, early days. Son, early, early days. My son comes home and he says, hey, I've got this hard drive and it's got 500 Bitcoin. And my friend at school is selling it for $500. <laughs> And I looked at him, I go, that is, I go, what is Bitcoin? And of course, even, even today, it's sometimes like, you know, you get a little tongue tied des- describing what Bitcoin actually yeah. is. And, and this, you know, Alan was a young kid and he's trying to give me his best explanation. I'm like, Alan, that makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. It's never going to work. It's just ridiculous. So I never, we never bought those 500 Bitcoin oh, shit. At, at $500 <laughs> and it just, it just slipped through our hands. And then like a year or two later, I remember a story coming out about how China had banned Bitcoin. And I said, see, it'll never work. <laughs> and then for some reason, around 2017, uh, there was, it was just becoming a, a little bit too big. So I did a little more research and looked into it. And I said, oh, this would be interesting. This would be like uh, the first the first money you actually own, not printed by government, uh, of, of, available for you to custody. You don't have to rely on uh, you know, central uh, authority, any kind of uh, Federal Reserve or the banks, and you actually own it. And there was a finite supply of only 21 million. I can get behind that. So I bought it at, uh, I think the first, when I first got it, it was like 7,500 bucks. Wow. And that was in November of 2017. And of course, you think you're a genius because in like a couple of weeks, it goes to 10,000. And I'm like, oh, I'll buy some more there at 10,000. And then it goes up to 17,500. I'm like, oh, I'm a genius again. I'll just keep buying this and let it just double and triple because everybody on YouTube at that point said it was going to go to a million. Yep. And of course, when you first get into it and you don't really have really great investment strategies and techniques and the mindset, you kind of fall for that stuff. And before you know it, I bought the last time I bought Bitcoin before the crash, it was 17,500, which sounds ridiculous now, right? Now we're at, cheap, yeah. yeah, everybody <laughs> loved that. Yeah. But in uh, in January, we went down to 16,000, then 13,000, then around late January, early February. Now we're down around five, 6,000. And of course, that's when you feel like, okay, was this, yeah, was this a real Ponzi? Was this a big scam? So you do some more research and you figure out, no, it is good. I told my wife at that point, I go, I'm not 
in the business of losing money. So what we're going to do is we're going to do this thing called dollar cost averaging. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep buying a little bit along the way and we'll see what happens. I did that for the last, well, I still do it actually. But uh, in 2018, 2019, 2020, just dollar cost averaging, put a little bit in Bitcoin, Ethereum, other ones uh, like uh, Cardano and Chainlink. And before you know it, over two or three years, it becomes pretty sizable when the market cap grows from 300 billion to back to a trillion, then 2 trillion, then 3.2 trillion. Now, of course, we've already come back down to like 1.3 trillion yeah. right now as yeah. of today. Yep. So Sorry, stakes um, at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a whole nother, nother topic of you know, how to dollar cost average, but also to know when to take profits and not get stuck with uh, you know, all your, all your uh, eggs in one basket. So that's the, that's the longer version of how I got in. That is absolutely amazing. And you know what's exciting about that is you came from, you know, a traditional sort of background of military, nursing, you know, sort of yeah. normal jobs, if you like, and then have built in this 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 fantastic empire, really. Um, and and you know what was great is that you're taking us along for the ride. And what I love about your show is that it's just you guys have to go and follow Rob on uh, on YouTube. And see what he's all about. And we'll put all the links and do all that later. But um, it's a, it's about the truth. Like you just share the the good, the bad, and the ugly. The there's no hopium on there. There's no sort of you know crazy predictions or anything. And it's very level headed. And I and I really love that. So for someone like me who's a new investor, I've been in the crypto space now for nearly a year. And when I first you know was dabbling around in it, I'm like, oh God, I wish I'd gotten a few years ago. As we all you know, did and like you letting 500 Bitcoin slip through your fingers. It's just like, Oh my God, that's even worse than my investing mistakes. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? I, I'll tell you real quick about that one. I mean, even though it slipped in my hands, I can guarantee you, because if you don't was with crypto, if you're just looking at it, numbers go up. So if I bought 500 Bitcoin at $500, right. And let's say it was just, I think it was, you know, a dollar back then, $2. As soon as it doubled, I would have sold them all. I know yeah. because because that that is the mentality before you really really go down that rabbit hole and kind of figure it all out for yourself. You'll never once you make a little money, you're out, and that's not where a lot of the wealth is. Now, this is not investment advice because no. I'm not a, in a financial uh, planner or financial analyst or or anything with that situation. But these are just the things that I've done and the mistakes that I've made. Yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, like a lot of people have heard about Bitcoin and, and crypto and there's a lot of, there's a lot of negativity. There's, oh, it's a scams. It's just, you know, Ponzi schemes. It's uh, this, it's that. People generally, when I talk to my friend circle, there's the ones who are, you know, so to speak, taking the orange pill and they know what it's all about. And then you've got the other 90%, shall we say, who are like, yeah, but isn't it too late to get in? And yeah, I've heard my friend made money on it in, you know, 2019, I'm 20, wherever, um, in the last, you know, run. But is it too late now? It's so expensive now and it's too late to get in. And when I started to research, uh, Bitcoin especially, it was like, holy, this is more, this is a, this is a life philosophy. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it is, is really expanded my mind about, you know, decentralization and in sovereign, you know, owning money, actually owning it as opposed to, you know, having it in the, the traditional banking system. And I, I can't even explain what I 
you know, have, have now understood, and I'm sure you can explain it a little bit better to people. But this is just really crucial that people take, you know, a couple of dozen hours to study this space because it's coming at you, whether you like it or not, and whether you think it's a Ponzi scheme or you think it's real, I can guarantee you this is going to be moving and changing uh, the space in, in the future. And if you're not on board with understanding it now, then you're in trouble. What do you, what would you say to that, Rob? Yeah. So it all comes down to, to education and just figuring out what it is. Cause again, if you just look at it as, as numbers go up, it, it's not going to be a thing. So like I always say, like in sales or marketing, there's this thing called an elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is essentially what you tell uh, your client, the basics of what they need to know so they can make that next decision to buy your product. Right. So I, I always call it like the Bitcoin elevator pitch. And I say like Bitcoin is digital gold. It's scarce. It's only 21 million and it's market insurance. And unlike gold, you can send it to anyone anywhere in the world uh, within minutes or next to nothing. It's the best performing asset class ever. It's better than gold, oil, or any stock ever. Uh, it used to be worth a nickel and now it's worth $30,000. And it's why I'm heavily invested into it. So you do something like that and people go, that sounds interesting. Well, maybe I'll take a look at you know what makes it so good. And then I think when people start to realize, and this is the bigger uh, opening of the consciousness is, is when people these days figured out about uh, inflation because there was so much money printing. And that's been, it's been such at the, at, the, at the center of what people are talking about. Mm. And people go, you know what, man, this money that uh, is being printed, which is fine. I mean, governments have to print money. Uh, the thing is, though, is that they look at everything around. They go, man, the things that I used to buy, milk used to be two and now it's three fifty. And then diapers used to be $20 for a pack, and now it's $32. And gas, geez, gas. I remember when gas was you know, under $2. Now we're looking at $4.25 or even $7.25 if you're in California. Wow. So the, the, the things start to become like, well, of course, we talk about supply chains and the issues that are going on there. But then you have to take a look at, well, if, I, if the central government keeps printing money, doesn't that devalue the whole mm. dollar and what it is. And, mm. you, and you can even look at a chart, you know, since, since uh, early 1900s all the way to today, that $1 that your grandfather used to say, I used to be able to buy a car for a nickel, whatever they said, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was true back then because it was worth a lot more. And because they keep printing, this is what happens. So now we're in the situation where uh, we see or we understand what inflation really is. And it leads us to like, well, is there an, is there an alternative to get outside the matrix? Well, there is, and uh, that would be called Bitcoin because there's only 21 million. And that's how much it will be ever. You can't increase that supply and that's all. And people will also say, well, how do we get 21 million into the hands of seven or eight billion people in, in the globe? Remember, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's 100 billion uh, Satoshis uh, per Bitcoin. So it's not like you can buy, you have to buy one Bitcoin at 30,000. You just buy a fraction of that and that's worth X amount of Satoshi. It's kind of like there's a hundred pennies for a dollar. Well, there's so many Satoshis for a Bitcoin. That is absolute gold. And, and, and like this, the way that Bitcoins come about, and it was really like gifted to humanity from Satoshi Nakamoto, who nobody really knows who, who this is. And, and it's really one of the greatest gifts to humanity I've ever come across. And people will be like, but isn't this just an investment? Isn't this just, uh, you know, you, you're wanting to make some money and speculate on it? Actually, no, I want to hold my Bitcoin forever. <laughs> yeah. it's a, it, there is such a limited supply and there was 21 million. There's probably only 14 million actually left because a lot of it's been lost and locked up. And and so it's even rarer, you know. And so, But people, 
ask me then, well, digital, but it's just, it's just code. It's just digital. Can't it be changed then? You know, like, why can't you go and say, well, we're going to print more Bitcoin. We're going to make more Bitcoin. Why can't that happen? So, yeah. And then, and first of all, before we go on, it was, uh, I, I was replaying what I just said in my mind. It wasn't a hundred billion, hundred, sorry, a hundred million Satoshis for one Bitcoin. Yeah. So then, the, so then to answer your question, why can't we just go back and just go, you know what? I, I, I own Bitcoin. Let's change it to 42 million instead of 21 million total. Well, you can do that. I mean, you, but you who are just an individual holder of Bitcoin, now you have to get all the different nodes that are out there. At, as far as you know, who holds Bitcoin and the actual uh, uh, miners to say, hey, let's change this whole thing around. And everybody has to agree with me. So you have to get hundreds of thousands of people, at least 51% to say, yes, we're going to change this over and we're going to make this to 42 million. I think that would be very short-sighted. Well, first of all, Try to get anybody to agree on anything. Look at Congress <laughs> here in the United States. Uh, and of course, New Zealand is different for you, but, but it's very difficult to do that. And then second of all, the value of Bitcoin lies in its scarcity. So think about it. It's not that, and first of all, it's not that it's even scarce. It's not really scarce. It's finite. Gold is scarce. Gold, I mean, some people will say, well, it is finite because there's only so much in, on the planet. But I mean, if you believe that, uh, you know, you can do uh, astral mining uh, from, from, from asteroids, which is uh, a thing they actually talk about, then it's not really finite. It's a finite, limited yeah. supply. Yeah. So Bitcoin is only at 21 million and that's what gives it that value. The same thing with going back to the dollar. What happens to the dollar when we print so much? Well, it becomes devalued. What happened uh, in Greece? The same type of thing. What happened in uh, Venezuela? It's the same type of thing. And actually, if you, if you look back at the history of, of all fiat money, throughout the entire existence of humankind, every single fiat money has gone to zero at some point. Yeah. And I actually learned that from uh, Mike Maloney. He's got a great YouTube channel and he's a big, he was and still is a big uh, uh, gold uh, investor. And then he found out about Bitcoin. Now he's a gold and Bitcoin investor. And he's <laughs> the one that was the one that enlightened me that said, hey, all these dollars or all these, all these paper currency or paper fiat, they all go to zero at some point. And there's always a fall of a... Uh, of a civilization organization. And, and that's why I think uh, Bitcoin could do pretty well this time. Yeah. And, and this is the thing, like it's just paper money. That's digital. Mm. People are like, but digital is not real. You know, it's, it's just ethereal. No, well, paper money is no more real. It's just that we've right. grown up with, with traditional banks and bank accounts and, you know, paper folding money. So it's a, it's a, it's a lot to get your head around if you're not in this space like we are uh, and, and you don't understand the whole mechanisms at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let me back up because what you said, it's, if people are new to this, they're not going to understand what I just said uh, as far as like uh, the nodes and the miners and things like that. Let me just break it down easily. So everybody has a bank account. I mean, not everybody. There's a lot of unbanked out there, but everybody understands what kind of like a bank ledger is or a ledger. It's just a, a spreadsheet, right? So let's say Lisa has $100 in her bank account. Here's 100 bucks, And then Lisa bought some pants for $10. And now over here, it says minus 10. 90. And Lisa went out and she bought coffee. That was $5. Now she's got 85. And that ledger is there's one and it is in the bank and that's called centralized ledger, right? So for Bitcoin, it's a decentralized technology. So you get a bunch of people, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands as it grows, as Bitcoin was created in, in uh, 2000 or came into existence, 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto. 
And you say, okay, we need some, some node operators. So over the last decade plus, we've had more node operators keep that ledger. And it's the same ledger that we just talked about, but it's in all these different nodes in tens of thousands of different areas throughout the entire world. And actually, uh, there's one in the International Space, I think of the Inter- International Space Center where they have a node. Oh, wow. I know they have one that's <laughs> launching a space on a satellite. So if it, even if we have like, a, some people say, what about an EMP, Rob, an electromagnetic pulse? I'm like, first of all, I've never felt that, never gone through. But if it does happen, you're still going to have a, a node which has a record of all the Bitcoin transactions up there. Wow, that's cool. So for, <laughs> yeah, so for every transaction that, that are out there, they have to come to a consensus. And okay, so like, Lisa, you send me one Bitcoin. Great. So it went from this wallet address, Lisa's, to my wallet address. In the traditional sense, in the bank, they just record, they write it down or they type it in. But for the decentralized ledger, it goes and it gets transmitted throughout all of those nodes and those, um, those computer systems. And it says, okay, this transferred from Lisa to Rob and these, these, uh, these nice little uh, uh, wallets or Bitcoin wallets. And this goes from you to them. So for me, that is the decentralized part of what Bitcoin is. So again, to get people to change from 21 million to 42 million or whatever different types of things, you have to get more than the majority to agree to do that. And I don't think that's going to happen, especially as we start to expand and grow even bigger. And this is something that's outside the, the, the traditional marketing uh, monetary system. You know, yeah. so like, like back in, I think it was 1972 when Nixon took, uh, the US dollar off the, the gold standard and of course the gold standard is the reserve currency for the world uh, that that was the beginning of the end basically for for a fiat currency you know it's, it's it has to devalue over time and is going to go to zero at some right. point if you um, studied you know Rob Dalio's work and it's just fascinating the whole uh, rise and fall of different empires and, and, and you know we, we're heading down that track we know that that's coming and it's accelerated since uh, the, the global financial crisis in 2008 and then also the COVID pandemic when they started printing like there was no tomorrow. I mean, I don't know what the trillions that they printed, but it was like something like 60% of all money that was ever printed or something got printed within that very short time. And we're we're feeling the consequences of that now. So if we look at the current uh, macro backdrop at the moment, Rob, um, we're, we're living in very uncertain times uh, where, you know, we've got the Russian-Ukraine war going on, we've got sanctions there, we've got supply chain issues, we've got COVID that's just, you know, rampaged around the world and shook everybody up. We've got all these things going on. Does that make you more scared to be in something like Bitcoin or or in, in, in the crypto world? Or does it make you actually want to go there more because it's a safer haven, a digi- gold, you know, digital gold? How, yeah. how, are you, how do you see that? So the easy answer would be, which would be like the person who invests a lot in cryptocurrency, which I do, which is yes, no problem. I you know I have no problem getting into it, and it sounds like like a great plan. And I'm just gonna get rid of all my cash and go into crypto. But here's the reality: the reality is is that I believe we're in for some pretty bearish days, yeah. and I believe that the the tr- the traditional stock market on Wall Street we're going to see a pretty big decline with the S and P five hundred and Nasdaq as it goes down because people are scared they don't know exactly what's going to happen and they're going to rotate into cash and I know people say well well you just talked about how how cash devalues yes it devalues but over time so I think people are going to get into cash right now and hold it and then they'll get into uh, what they consider risky assets 
if we look out into a broad range of a 10, 20, 30 years, and we take a look at it, well, Bitcoin is, is probably, it is the hardest asset out there. I mean, it's, it's essentially digital gold, like we talked about, gold 2.0. It's, you can transfer it you know, wherever, you, wherever you want to go throughout the entire world. And it's, it's um, even though it's volatile, as time goes on, it will become more stable. So right now, what I think, would that cause me to go more into Bitcoin? What I do is I can't predict the future. And what I say to people is, look, you have to pay your bills, right? You can get into Bitcoin, you can pay your bills. What if Bitcoin goes from, and we just saw this, it went from 40,000 to 30,000 in less than two weeks or so. Mm. So is this, is this like a, a huge store of value in the short term? Not the greatest, but over time, it'll, it'll grow up or it'll grow a little bit better. So for me, I dollar cost average and I put my money into it every single day. So I buy a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So some days it may be 30,000, some may be 40,000 maybe 20,000 in the future. And as time goes on, because uh, I have a three, five, and 10-year outlook, it will work out. But for people have to understand, in this short term right here, it's extremely important to make sure that you're making the right decision for you and your family. What works for me is not going to work for a, a single mom with, with four kids, mm. right? And what works for me is not going to work for Mark Cuban, who's a billionaire, and can just you know, throw money around. So you have to be, be aware of that. Uh, I think I wouldn't, like right now, the stock market probably be a little bit volatile. So I wouldn't get into that. Real estate, not so much right now. I see some declining times. So for me, it's I rotate a little bit in the cash and yep. I wait for those dips and I start to layer myself back in. So you, you use the term the dollar cost averaging. So for people who don't know what the heck that is, that's just putting, regardless of the price really, just putting little bits like a savings account away all the time. So you just keep on going and, and building up a, a nice nest egg into whatever. And that's that's definitely what, what, what I'm doing. And, and we are living in, like, since I began, you know, with, with crypto and we saw this huge rally up, which I was like, yeah, I'm brilliant. Um <laughs> Superstar, right? I'm like, woohoo. And, then, and uh, this is easy. Like, and then we've, we've, since November or so, the whole crypto market has taken a big you know, nosedive and it's in a bear market at the moment and we're uh, underwater. Um, and then people look at you and go, well, you, you're stupid. You know, you're, you're, you're the genius when you're, when, you're, when you're winning, you're the idiot when you're not. And yeah. actually, I have, but I have, I, it was, we talked about this previously before we got on the on the recording. Mindset is everything. I've spent this year deep in the research, studying, learning from people like yourself, um, and I understand a little bit what's going on, a little bit what's going on, and understand the process that I have to go through to get to the other side and know that over time we're looking at a, a really fantastic asset. And so – I have that long-term mentality in everything that I do in life. I don't look for the immediate quick, quick fix. I just did a video called, you know, magic bullets don't work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, but a lot of people have got this. I took the pill today. I want to be healed tomorrow. Mm. Or I, I bought Bitcoin today. I want to be rich tomorrow. Why am I not? That, that, that's the, a, a, a mentality that gets you in trouble in my mind. Mm. You know, yeah. you have to have a, a strategy, and this is what I've been learning from from you and and, and other colleagues of yours. Uh, 
is is that mindset in the in the in having an investment strategy. So yeah, yeah. Tell me it's, a bit about that. It, it's the way because well, I mean, first you're an ultra marathon runner, so you know how to grind, how to yeah. grind out those 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 initial miles, the middle miles, and the last ones that probably just uh, you know destroy you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing with uh, with investing. Uh, it was uh, it was Peter Schwab, and I think he's. Uh, Peter Schwab, I believe he said, uh, everybody has the mentality to invest, but the question is, do you have the stomach? Because really, that's really what it comes down to. If you can just go, you know what, I'm just going to grind this out. It, it doesn't really matter. And that's it. So like when I was talking about, you know, the back to that last question, which is, you know, would you just keep, you know, getting into it and really make you want to go into it? Um, everybody's different. So like, here's an example. Diddy from the, from the Bitcoin family. I don't know if you know about him, but he's the guy that sold everything that he had. He sold his businesses, he sold his cars, he sold his houses to go into Bitcoin exclusively. Wow. If he would have done that in 2021 at 67,000, it'd be very difficult because now it's 30,000, right? He would have yeah. lost half of his value. Yep. But he didn't. In 2017, he bought Bitcoin at $1,000. Hmm. So the thing is, like, when people say, well, why don't you just go all in right now? You can. I mean, it, that's bad. That's not like I'm saying everybody just go all in. There's a possibility that you could go all in. But then the thing is, can you stomach it to see this huge volatility and swings to go from, you know, from 30,000, what it is today, if you went all in today to 40,000, great, I'm a genius. Then it goes to 28,000. Oh no, I've lost. But if, if you can just say, I don't, it doesn't, the timeline doesn't matter because I'm going to see your three, five and 10 years, the most, the most stable asset in the most volatile market would be Bitcoin, Ethereum. And that's what I kind of kind of bet on. So if you mm. just say, you know what, I don't really care about mentality. I know how to grind. I know how to be an ultra marathoner. I've already done it before. Then you just keep plucking away like I do, and me and you both do. Just kind of just wait for it to to do that. And that's pretty much the the, the basics of it. Yeah, and it's just it's just having that, that that not dropping, you know, buying high and then selling low because things are getting tough. And and there are times where like we've just gone through in the crypto world. A massive earthquake with um, one of the crypto terror um, in the oh. lunar lunar uh, collapsing, and, mm-hmm. and it collapsed to zero basically. Um, and that was one hell of a shakeup for the entire market. And it was a new technology and algorithmic backed stable coin, yeah. uh, and 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 a lot of very very intelligent people got caught out with this one, um, and. That shakes the hell out of your confidence, and then you're like, "Well, just you know, do I just chuck everything and run and take what I've got left and run away, <laughs> or do I go, well, yeah, learn lesson in that one? I learned a lesson from that one, and we didn't have a lot in there, so thank goodness we didn't get too um, wrecked. But was that in a bear market? And I've heard you say like altcoins are probably not the thing that you're going to be getting. You should be getting into right now. So altcoins being uh, anything but Bitcoin and maybe Ethereum, um, maybe, yeah. because where the where the bear market is, you sort of want to be in the safer OG in the space where you know you're going to ride it out, and then when you're in the bull market, and that I mean that's overly simplified, obviously. Um, but that's the best that's, way to do it. Simplify. That's what we're yeah. doing now. You know, we've sort of okay learned learned that little nasty lesson, and you know a lot of people got really really hurt from it. So it, you know it was just dreadful. But oh. it doesn't make you go, oh, the whole thing's a Ponzi scheme, you know. And there are 
18,000 or 20,000 different coins out there in the crypto world, and most of them are going to go to zero. A lot of them are scams. A lot of them are crap. A lot of them are little projects just starting out, but some of them will succeed and some of the yes. bigger ones, and, you know, I'm, I'm just sticking to the big bigger ones. I watch your DGN channel, but I haven't been brave enough to pull the trigger on any of those ones yet because <laughs> yeah. it's not probably the time for that sort of playing around, like when you're in the bull market yet and when you've yeah. made a little and you want to play, then that's that's a gamble basically. Um, but right now it's about like understanding the basics of the, of the, of the space in, in how to do it and how to do it safely. Yeah, the basics are the basics are just like any any investment. You take a look at the project or the company itself and just go and just do as much research as you possibly can and go, do I want to invest into this? And I'm gonna invest only what I can afford to lose. And if you start off with that basic position, you really can't go too far off from there. So I I I I think it it does make sense. But Talking back to, to what you said about you know the degen parts and uh, and you know altcoins and different parts of the market, I will say this: um, no, I never made any money uh, in the in the massive bull markets. Of course, you can sell, you know, you do your thing, but the money's not made there, right? The money's not made for you when you're doing ultra marathon at the very last couple miles. The money is always made for you when you're doing all that training. Yeah. And this is the time that really we're doing those initial miles, which is the bear market. You're going to get whatever you buy or, or get into or want to invest into. You're going to get those altcoins <laughs> you want to that or Bitcoin at a much less price than when it starts to go to that parabolic mass run up. And of course, if you can do that for, let's say this, this bear market lasts 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, wouldn't it be great to just go, okay, I'm going to put my money into this, right? And I'm going to invest and I'm just going to sit on it. I'm going to buy this every day, every week, every other week, every month, whatever it is, whatever I can afford, and then just wait. And then it kind of, it just, it just takes off. There's a, I think that there's a, there's a time to, to be safe. And I think that's the one of the safer ones. As time moves on, I will tell you, I did make a, I did a, make a lot of my money in the bear market. And it wasn't just on Bitcoin, Ethereum. It was as time started to kind of flatten out those altcoins like a Cardano, uh, like, like a chain link, like those types of things. And I just put a little bit into it. And I remember buying, I remember Cardano was uh, a nickel, six cents or seven cents. And I remember chain link was like under a buck. And then before you know it, Cardano became a dollar, two dollar, and three dollars. So imagine dollar cost averaging for three years or two or three years, just going, I like the company, just okay. And I'll go up to three dollars. And all you gotta do is just kind of wait huge. and just kind of grind it out, right? Yeah. That's and this is where problem. like small amounts too, like a lot of people are like, well, if I haven't got a hundred thousand dollars to put in it, then it's not worth doing it. And yeah. you know, when I'm listening, James has always been talking about on his channel and Best Answers, which is another fabulous channel. Um, he's always talking about, you know, trying to become a whole coiner. And that's yeah. become like, okay, that's what we're doing and we we we've got there, you know, and and the whole coin is worth less than it was. <laughs> we've all back, but we're whole coiners, you know. But the thing is that is one of fourteen odd million that are out there in the space. And this, when you understand that that is one of that small yeah. amount it, and, and that institutions are coming into the space and that traditional, the, 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 the governments are 
fighting around with the regulation, and that's a scary space, but hopefully it's necessary, and we'll talk about regulation in a minute. Um, But over time, this is just going to be, you know, a no-brainer, and that's Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, the biggest sort of, you know, the big gangster in the space, Bitcoin that's been around for a decade, that has all the history, that has a good safety record, uh, is still going to move a lot less than the altcoins over time. Like the altcoins are going to go up and down, but they are more risky because they're more volatile. Uh, and some of the projects will go to zero, like like Luna. So you you have to you know sort of weigh those risk factors up, obviously, and yeah. put a little bit into the risky ones and a lot more into the safer ones of your bag. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatarmaty.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatarmaty.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatarmaty.com and thanks very much for joining us. And that's where it comes down to the investor preference, because that's how me and you do it, right? But I've, as I've gone on my channel and I read all the comments, some people are like, why would I do that? <laughs> their, their, their idea is this. I want to be more risky. Say like you got a kid who's 19 years old, right? He's like, look, I make some pretty decent money at wherever I'm working at. I'm just going to be, be risky because hopefully they have the mentality to stick around for like five, 10 years. Like I'm going to put in this risky stuff. I'll dollar cost average, right? So let's say Solana. For example, mm-hmm. Solana, I think it peaked out around 200, some, some around 250, there, right? yeah, or something, yeah. Yeah. And now I think it's like what, 34, 50, 40? Yeah, I think, or, or 50, I think it was yesterday. Is so it, let's say me. 50, right? So yeah, let's say you just say, drop. I'm going to put in, yeah, I'm going to buy, I'm just going to buy that once a week. And it's, I know it's risky, Rob, but you told me I want to go Bitcoin. And you just do that for like two or three years. Now let's say it gets back to its all time high at 250. That's not too bad. And then <laughs> as time goes on, you know, you're like, well, for me to double or quadruple or whatever else to go to Bitcoin, remember Bitcoin's market cap is the highest market cap. Yeah. I think out of $1.3 trillion, we're maybe $600 billion, $700 billion. That means it has to go up you know, $1.2 to $1.4 trillion to double in Bitcoin. So some yeah. people look at that and go, I don't want to do that. However, it is more risky. More risk, more reward. I personally just do 95% of the safe stuff, Bitcoin, Ethereum. And then the five percent of the degen crazy plays, which is pretty much gambling. Let's be honest. Yeah, and, and then yeah. and then hoping that you hit the right horse and it, it takes off and it becomes the next. And, and that's a, <laughs> perfect because, like, when you said Luna, because like when we talk about dollar cost averaging, right? The same thing could be said for oops, same thing could be said for Luna. Let's say somebody because even I did this. I bought a bunch of Luna. I dollar cost average in. I don't like to put everything in. 
And I had been doing that since February of 2021. Then around November or December, we had to make some, uh, we had to buy some more property. And it, I said, well, I'm, I'll sell a good portion of my Luna. And I sold that. Actually, the best, best thing I ever did. <laughs> yeah, however, lucky. Yeah. However, as soon as that happened, that was in November, December, I didn't do much because it was a, it was a really volatile market, just dollar cost averaging to Bitcoin. But I started back on Luna in January. I dollar cost average Luna for January, February, March, April, and then it crashed and went to zero. So I lost a good five figures wow. on that one easily. Yeah. Yeah. How, however, I was putting money into some other altcoins, which didn't do so great, but I also put money into Ethereum and Bitcoin and those did okay. So I don't care if, if one, or let's say out of five different investments that I do, let's yeah. say three or four don't make it. I don't, it's not a big deal because yeah. the other one will take care of the other stuff that I just lost out on. Yeah. And, and sometimes you're not, you're not ever going to win everything. And if you go through life, uh, always too scared to fail, then you're not going to start. And, and I think it's better to learn some lessons along the way. And we certainly all learned from that one. Um, and hopefully we'll be a bit wiser and a bit of better investor, in, you know, in the next, in the coming, coming years. And that's the way you got to see it and not cry over yeah. spilt milk for, you know, what it is. Um, and, but only ever invest like what you can, you need a time horizon of at least yeah. three years, really. And if not longer, and if you haven't, then the volatility in this market is not for you. Like, but why is volatility not the same as risk? I tried to explain this to my brother the other day and I'm like, how do I explain? They're like, volatility, it's very volatile. I go, yeah, that's the whole bloody point because that's where you're going to make the, the wins. And it means it's, it's actually a better asset over time because it's volatility, but it's not, volatility does not equal risk. Can you explain that one? So, I it actually depends on on the asset itself. Sometimes when you have uh, a ton of volatility, we're just because we're in price discovery mode right now. Nobody can really evaluate exactly what Bitcoin is because I mean it's just over a decade old, and then there's a lot of cryptos that are even even two years old. So that's we're all in this this big price discovery. So if you take a look at at the risk factor of the of the volatility, there is again the time horizon that you look at could be a lot different. So if you just say, well, I know that there's a lot of volatility, but volatility, first of all, if you're a day trader, that's exactly what you're looking for. Mm. There's a huge amount of, uh, of upside for that. I'm not a day trader. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I just, I'm very, very uh, conservative. But if you look at it and, and just go over time, and th there's a great website called dcabtc.com. Mm -hmm. And if you just put that in and you, and you can put it in for like how much you want it, you can start on just like an example, January 1st. 2013, I'm going to put in $10 into Bitcoin. And you can see how volatile it is, but you can see over time, it's an asymmetrical bet yeah. that you're going to be doing uh, as far as like a lot more as far as the revenue that you generate from your investment into Bitcoin. So yes, it is super volatile, but again, it depends on the asset that you're investing into. And over time, it works. It's, it doesn't work itself out. Over time, people start to understand exactly what it is and they start to invest more into it. So Volatile is okay as long as you can stick around for the long horizon. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, like I think like you, you talk often on your channel about you think we need regulation and a lot of 
people in the space are like anti-regulation and, you know, we're all sort of freedom fighters and freedom type people generally, right, in the space. There's a lot of we want to, you know, sovereignty over our own lives and our own wealth and our own, you know, uh, and I'm definitely in that camp. Uh, But I understand the need for regulation. Um, Biggest fear, of course, is that they'll fuck it up (laughs) because they're quite good at doing that. (laughs) And especially when you've got... Uh, a lot of politicians who even I as a you know only been in the space for a year but I listen to them and I'm like you've got no freaking idea what the hell you're talking about and here you are uh, talking about you know how it's this or it's that and you're like oh my god and these are the people making the regulations that's scary but why do we actually need some regulation because we, you know it, it, we, we've got institutions coming into the space now and they need more regulation in order to come in and to make the asset class grow. So, you know, what's your what's your take on the whole regulatory? So it's a fine line. So we had we had to take a look at history as far as regulation. First of all, we all know that government's gonna get it wrong. There yeah. no one is perfect, right? Let's just let's just start with that assumption and work our way forwards. So if we take a look, let's let's start with OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Act. And as this is back in the 1960s here in America, I'm sure there's other ones uh, throughout, yep. throughout the entire so, uh, world. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was, why did they enact that? Well, they enacted that because there were so many deaths on the job and there were these corporations who were like, well, you know, these things happen to our employees. And of course, asbestos is probably not so bad. I'm sure it'll be okay if they breathe a little bit. And then before you know it, there was a lot of people with cancer. There was a lot of people that were killing over and dying. And the government said, that's just not how we should do these things. Let's just put a little bit of regulation in. And it worked out okay. Now let's fast forward to the internet. So the internet came about early 90s, depending on who, uh, you know, which which time frame to look at. And one of the things the problem was, was that the people who controlled the domains and controlled those blog posts and controlled all the different social media aspects were like, look, if some crazy nut starts to talk off about, you know, some things that are very, and not just in distaste, but actually illegal and talking about illegal things. Am I going to be the one that that's going to share the brunt of that because it was on my website and they came out and and the government said, you know what, we should probably enact law 230. Law 230 came in and said, we're not going to sue anybody if something happens or a malicious act happens uh, throughout uh, on these websites. Now, if it's like, if it's, if it's different, like, the way that they, they, that they phrase it was, it was freedom of speech, but if it's uh, mass, not mass legal, but illegal and in, in what would be considered in, the, uh, in public, then of course we're going to take action. But it allowed these things to actually happen and to flourish so that the websites wouldn't actually be shut down, which mm. led to the internet actually moving forward and actually uh, being able to so flourish. Mm. So now we fast forward to, to cryptocurrency and digital assets. Here's the problem. So we don't even have guidance as to what it actually is. So in the military, as a medic, you want to triage patients that come in, right? Are these people who are salvageable? Can this one, are this one going to live? Is it going to die? And how much medical care are they actually going to need? It's a triage. And the same thing here, I think, in America is what we need as far as, as, far as regulation. Mm. We just need to know, let's triage these cryptos. Okay, which one of these is a, is a security? Okay, you're a security, you're a security, and that will be overtaken by the SEC. Which ones of these are a commodity, like gold? Uh, well, that's the CFTC, and then you guys go over there. Okay, now which one is actually a currency? Okay, you're going to go with the OCC, the, the uh, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. 
if you can just give us a little bit of that, then I think we can move forward. And that's yeah. just to say the basics of the basics. And then the next thing would be, uh, and we just saw this with Luna and their algorithmic stable coin. Yeah. If it's not backed by anything, I understand the whole concept and it sounded good. Like we could, you could um, algorithmically uh, peg that to the burn mechanism of the Luna token. Sure. Great. The problem is, is that you had a, you had a group or maybe one person, depends who you yeah, We don't know. Who we-, <laughs> we don't really know. And uh, they're, they were able to, to buy up a massive amount, put it back in the system and take it out. And now it's not backed by anything. And it's pretty much like having a run in the bank. And then everything went to zero. So with these stable coins, if it is pegged to the dollar, then show me the assets of what it actually is pegged to so Absolutely. people don't actually lose everything. Because yeah. you know, you read all the comments on Twitter. You saw it on, and I see it every day still, mm. even mm. on my show where people go, I lost my life savings. Oh. Uh, I can't, I, you know, I collateralized my house. I can't pay for this. I can't pay for that. It's because they invested more than what they could lose and they yeah. got ahead of themselves. And that is a big problem. So if they can just say, look, if you want to do a stable coin, show us what it's backed by, show us the paperwork of what it is, and we'll do audits every however many months it takes. And then everybody's on their happy way. Just start with that, I think. And I think stable coins is the place to start because you know, for those listening, it provides liquidity to the whole crypto market to have these stable coins that are USDC or or a DAI or a, but they have different mechanisms by which they're staying and you know with the tether US tether at the moment it's a little bit scary you know like is that going is that really backed they're not very transparent you know so I'm definitely not putting it in tether you know um, and, and so having some regulation around that and is it back one to one because this is the problem this is not just crypto by the way like this is really what happened in 2008 was you know the banks leverage your money they leverage it up the wazoo so they take one of your dollars and they give it out 20 times or whatever it is you know and fractionalized, that's, fractionalized lending that's right <laughs> that's the one that's the word i'm looking for uh so this is you know not happening just in crypto but this is in, in, in particular in this one and it's actually the opposite in crypto there's usually a lot more collateralization like Crypto really is all about decentralization. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's that whole centralized versus decentralized in, in some, a whole lot of their altcoins right. are, some are more centralized, some are decentralized. Right, right. And Ethereum and Bitcoin are the most decentralized. And that's why, you know, love those two really, because it can't be fucked with. They really, you know, putting it bluntly. Yeah. You can't really go and take over 51% of the network of Bitcoin. It's just never going to happen when there's hundreds of thousands of, like you say, validators and nodes all around the place. Yeah. I, I will just say that there, if, if the, the people who are deep into crypto, they'll always argue with you and they'll say, no, 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 that's not the most decentralized. I got this project XYZ. It's super decentralized. So everybody out there listening, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we can, uh, yeah, we can, we can split hairs. But um, I was going to ask you, like, what do you, like, um, I listened a lot to Raul Paul, uh, Raul Paul yeah. as well from Real Vision, fantastic guy, um, about the adoption curve and, you know, Metcalf's law and uh, the speed at which the internet was adopted back 20 years ago. And, yeah. you know, the, the adoption, I think it was something like 69% year on year sort of adoption was the fastest adoption of technology and we've all seen that in our lives and how much it's revolutionized the absolute world yeah. and crypto was going at it twice that or 139% I don't know what it's right now it's probably yeah. slowed down a bit it's probably slowed down you're right <laughs> yeah. but but still phenomenal adoption 
So for people out there like, oh, no, you know, this, this is all going to go away in five minutes, uh, you know, what's your take on that whole adoption curve? So I love this question because because when I when we got in when I got in 2017 it was a real possibility because we had a market cap below it it was we topped out at 840 billion wow so, and and if people think about that like well that's a lot of money well no so tiny the market, for an estate class yeah the the market cap of gold is around 12 trillion the market wow. cap of the entire entire stock market is over 100 trillion real estate globally is 264 trillion and derivatives is over at one quadrillion. So when you take a look at this, it, it was under a trillion. It could have gone away. The government really could have stepped in and go, you know what? We're going to make XYZ illegal and exchanges and make it so hard that maybe it wouldn't wipe it out, but it would have really extended it. So let's fast forward to today. So in 2017, nobody in Congress was talking about this. They weren't bringing this up and forth to the CFTC and the SEC, which is what we're going on now. We didn't have these big names like a Ray Dalio, like a Bill Miller, like a Paul Tudor Jones, who were like investment legends. We didn't have like, not just Bank of America, but uh, um, Fidelity offering mm. 401k. And then also you had, I mean, just, just right now, JP Morgan just last week, said uh, that um, they're going to do away with most of their, their real estate investments and they're going to put it into crypto as it is a pristine asset. And that's Holy JP Morgan. That's massive. Yeah. Who Jamie Dimon since 2016 has said it's a Ponzi. First he said it was a Ponzi. Then he said it'll get wiped out. And then in, in like 2018, 2019, he was like maybe 1%. And then all of a sudden they were offering it. Now here we go. So that's <laughs> that one part. And then the next part is this. I think this is the most important part. There's too much money in the space and we know how much is going to grow. And then also the governments, if you're a government entity and you just printed a boatload of money, like we just talked about, we like taxes as far as government goes. There is no way they're going to say, hmm, do we want you to stick that money, which we just, that way I talked about people are rolling into money. Do we want you just to stick that money in the bank account and us not tax it? Probably not. We want to give you more of a vehicle. So you can invest into. And of course, if you invest into those, you're going to have either uh, long-term or short-term capital gains. And we love those because those are between 20% and 44%, depending on where you're at in the United States. And then, of course, globally, I don't know where it is. The governments look at that and go, there's too much money to be lost. We got we to keep this around. We're going to tax it. And then finally, uh, there's another big reason. It's job creation. So in Texas, the great state of Texas where I'm from, we've had so many different Bitcoin miners. Thankfully, mm. China shut down their Bitcoin miners. And they all mm. came to New York, Georgia, Arkansas, and one of the big ones is Texas. And it's a massive boon to build up for these miners and Thank these uh, warehouses and uh, the people that need to actually do the construction, to actually build it, to maintain it. That's job creation. And of course, nobody loves job creation and how much they're doing for the community than the politicians. So <laughs> that's the so they're reason not why I don't think it's going to go Unless yeah. you're in New York and they go, for some reason, they've been really harsh on it, I hey, know. like on the mining stuff. And yet Texas is, uh, is huge, like what's happened there, like the amount of mining that is centralized now in Texas, which is actually a little bit of a risk because there's so much in the United States general and huge amount of mining. Mm-hmm. And for those listening who don't know what mining is, so – Mining is, um, oh God, how do, how do you explain mining, Rob? <laughs> so it's where somebody takes this big pickaxe and they break open these computers. <laughs> no, so, so all it is, is there are, there, are, there are Bitcoin miners or computers. Before in the old days, as far as Bitcoin mining, you could just use a regular, regular computer. And you would have to solve 
a, a algorithm or a mathematical problem. And the ones that could do that would have the most CPU power. They were awarded X amount of, of Bitcoin. And every, every four years, it, it decreases what it is. So like, let's say you have 100 different computers and they're all trying to solve this, this, this mathematical problem. The one that solves it, they are awarded these Bitcoin. This is from the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper. So they get this Bitcoin, right? And then, well, the other 99 are like, well, I don't want that. I need a more powerful computer. So it went from your, your home computer to ASIC mining to now these like, like super like ant miners and things like that that are very super powerful computers just for this one prospect of not only to, to solve that mathematical problem, but actually to secure the network. Because like we talked about, so now you have all these different computers, all these different miners, and they're all competing. And it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar company. So when people say to me like, well, Rob, Bitcoin doesn't make much sense because that's all it does. And it, we're just using this computer and, the, and the electrical power. But you don't understand. Just like uh, TCP IP and HTTPS, where it was a protocol, Bitcoin is now a base layer protocol. And you can use that and build on second layer solutions, kind of like a lightning. And you can do transactions. And guess what? You're built on the safest computerized network in the entire planet. Because you cannot attack that and break it open, 51% attack, it's not going to happen. Now, you can do that for Wells Fargo, because that happened to me and my, my information. So wow. if you take a look at it, like that is something that I think uh, people should know. And, and this is uh, something that Michael Saylor, um, you know, who, who owns, uh, is the CEO of MicroStrategy, uh, and a huge, one of the biggest Bitcoin investors out there, uh, explains that this is the safest transferable in time He's, he's, he did an analogy once, which was really fantastic about uh, if I own a building in Peru somewhere, I can't oh, transport yeah. that building and stick it in London, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And, but I can do that with Bitcoin and it's transferable over time and it doesn't leak. It doesn't have expenses. It doesn't have any costs associated with it. And so for, for transferring generational wealth or anything like that, it's the perfect vehicle. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, to go back to the mining things like China, uh, l- last year b- banned mining in, in China. Yes. Uh, how, how did that work out for them? Yeah. Not so well. Out, worked out great for Texas. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Worked out great for Texas and they just shot themselves in the foot. And this is why it's not, I don't think it's going to go away too because the, uh, politicians are starting to realize. Number one, a lot of politicians are actually invested in crypto now because they've woken up to the whole thing. So they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot and they're usually pretty good at protecting their own back pockets, um, yeah. to say cynically. Um, then you've got the fact that there's so many powerful const- you know, constituents that are into crypto. So if they're going to go yeah. against that narrative, like you see someone like Elizabeth Warren who's always on her crusade, you know, it's, you know, evil. Right, the good fight. <laughs> it's like, well, aren't you shooting yourself in the foot because you're going against so many people in your constituency, you know? Uh, I get it. You know, Warren, Elizabeth Warren, she was really anti-bank. She's really anti-bank. And she, I, I guess she kind of looks at this and going, well, this this currency, this is in, that's money, this is in the hands of of really powerful people and that can't happen. We got to break it up. But what she doesn't understand is that it's really, I mean, there is a centralization of, of, of some of the top Bitcoin, but that's, that's owned by the exchanges. And of course, there's some people that own a ton of, of Bitcoin, Michael Saylor and Michael Strategy, but that's a corporation. But over time, and you, you can take a look at it, there's, 
that's what's great about, about the blockchain itself. Like we can go to, to BTC info charts and we can take a look at all different wallets and you can see how many people or how many wallets have less than 10 Bitcoin. And so it's like, it's like one of the highest numbers out there. Then of course, you know, 10 to 100, 101 to 1000 and so on and so forth. So I get, she thinks of it like that, but I think if she realizes like, oh, well, wait, wait a second. All of these, all of these companies that are charging remittance fees to send money back and all the different transaction fees for all these, these uh, small businesses. Well, if we can use Lightning Network on top of Bitcoin, well, that goes away. Mm, and there's a reason why, <laughs> there's a reason why Visa partnered up with USDC and Circle because they're like, wow, our whole model is about to go away. We need to, <laughs> we need to get some of that pie. And this is interesting. Like I, I bet, you know, Visa and MasterCard and Co are shaking in their boats or being wise and collaborating now. You're right. You're right. <laughs> because they, they're charging 3% or whatever they're charging on, you know, on if you think of someone like Amazon that's charging 3% that you're getting charged 3% by the, yes. the, the Visa and the MasterCards of the world. Uh, and then they can do it for, for nothing on Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. Do you think that they're not going to go, hang on a minute? Uh, eventually, they're probably going to wake up to that and, and start doing it. And what I, what I really love about that also is that You've got all these unbanked citizens of the world, something like 1.7 billion people or something, yeah. have no access. I mean, you and I, we live in the, the you know first world countries. We're, we're lucky we have bank accounts. We, we have identification papers. We have an address. We, 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 we are part of the financial system. If you live in deep, dark Africa in a tiny village where you haven't had an education, you haven't had a, a chance to get a, a job and to get an address and to get identification papers and you can't get a bank account, think about that, people. You are cut out of the whole financial system. Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, if you've got a, if you've got a phone, which even in Africa now you can rent them super, super cheap, a smartphone, yeah. uh, you have the ability to send money backwards and forwards between each other. Now that is game changing. Or if you live, like we have a lot of people from Tonga uh, live mm. in New Zealand yeah. and they send a lot of the money back to the islands because, you know, the islands don't have a lot of money and a lot of way to make income. And that's why, you know, Tonga has been, we, we, we're hearing rumors that they possibly are going to take Bitcoin as one of the, as a legal tender. I don't know if it will happen or not, but it's in, in, apparently in discussion. Uh, that makes sense because they get, uh, over half of their income is remittances from from their patriots overseas, and that's costing you know like Western Union right now or, or PayPal or whoever's sending that money. Uh, it, and you know when I, I had a, a situation recently where I had to send a friend, um, she sent me something from Austria, mm-hmm. and I had to pay her postage back. Right, and it was like right. seventy dollars, like nothing. But I and I she didn't she's not computer literate and savvy and whatever she didn't want to do it over paypal right so i had to go to the bank and do a telegraphic transfer over the bank system oh Oh my god they wanted to see what i had for breakfast they wanted to find out what's this for who are you sending it to is this illicit activity is this whatever like they asked me private questions that really delved into my private sphere for 70 dollars, and i was disgusted Absolutely yeah. disgusted. And this is what they do with your mortgage. And they want to know whether how many coffees you had this week. They want to, <laughs> you know, they go through line by line. If you bought a dress last week and you put it on lay by, you know, this is a, a grip into our 
our, our actual freedoms now, you know, like when we talk, we're talking about freedom, that sort of stuff really irks me. Or, you know, if we, if we want to get political and, you know, look at the truckers in Canada, yeah, how right. uh, anybody who donated to that legal protest uh, in a free country, in a democracy, had their bank accounts frozen. In other words, you don't own your own money if it's in the bank system. That was the biggest advert for Bitcoin that there was. And then right. you had the Russia-Ukraine situation where they've weaponized the whole financial system against Russia, which we might think is a great thing to stop Putin doing bad stuff. But the yeah. implications of weaponizing the financial system is yeah, huge. It's, it's ugly. And, but, and some people say, well, you know, those truckers and they shouldn't be there. And I'm like, well, wait. It's not so the let's point. Say, <laughs> that's not the point. So let's say that you need to do a GoFundMe for something that happens in your family. And they're like, you know what? We don't know about this. We're the government. We're going to shut this down. So anybody that gave to you <clears throat> for whatever it is, now what happens to you? And all of a sudden when it happens to you, then all of a sudden it's like, why is this? This, this shouldn't happen. And it's the same thing with, with regulation. People are like, I don't want regulation. I can tell you right now. Uh, a lot of the people who got rug pulled on that on that Luna, they're like, "Where's the regulation?" Yeah. So until it happens to you, then all of a sudden it, it it's uh, there's no there's no that aha moment, and that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and that's why things like you know like GoFundMe shot themselves in the foot too, because now everybody knows that for whatever I believe in and I want to donate to any cause, you know, then yeah. I could be. I could have my my bank accounts frozen for donating five bucks to somebody. It's pretty. That's bad. crazy. That is that yeah. is for me like crazy. And you know, you know, if we go and look at CBDCs, um, that's utopian. You know, like that sort of uh, what do you call it? Dystopian. Um, dystopia. Dystopian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nineteen eighty four stuff. <laughs> you know, like it's. <laughs> and 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 see this is this is a good point because because people are like what are you know CBDCs what's the difference between that and cryptocurrency yeah so it's, 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 it's CBDC is a central bank digital currency right and remember what we talked about and you listening at home is you know you have a central ledger or a decentralized ledger meaning that if it's a centralized ledger you know the bank accounts they can do any kind of changes they want to and also they can stop your account mm -hmm. so with, with CBDCs see that's what's great about like people always complain about oh. Blockchain and crypto, it's for illicit activities and things like that. And, and, and drug smugglers, I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not because every transaction you do is on an open ledger. You can look at it right now. If I send you money or I send you Bitcoin, you can see it. So when people talk to me about that, I'm like, you know how easy it is to, to pay for things with money nobody ever knows? It's the easiest. That's why cash is king. And uh, just between us, I mean, I have a couple of businesses. I may or may not have taken a couple of different transactions in cash and not reported that cash. Super simple to do. So when we talk about CBDCs, if you have a government, we just saw the Canadian government go, look, go find me, stop. <laughs> now let's say that you have CBDCs, which is you're, you have an, an, an electronic wallet in your phone. You're like, this is super simple. I just got some, my, I got my paycheck and CBDCs. I get to go spend it. Now all of a sudden like, oh, but guess what? We've, as we understand it, you may be a terrorist. Yeah. Guess what? You're not going to spend that money. And then off you go. And, and if, if you think you. that can't happen, just take a look at the things that happen in communist countries. And uh, it, it is there. Not that I'm saying it can't happen. But I'm saying that CBDCs are not a true decentralized crypto in the, 
in the way that we think they are. No, Those I think it's the antithesis. Yeah, and and yeah. It, it enables a, 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 a you know a, a grip into your personal life. You know, where they control what you do. Like if if it does come to that, and God, you know, forbid, but then they will tell you if you don't toe the party line, whatever the government's rule of the day is, uh, we're just going to stop your your money. And and, and they can do that when it's a CBDC, and they cannot do that on Bitcoin, on the Lightning Network. They cannot do that, and this is why people need to understand that concept just alone if you want to preserve your sovereign uh, your sovereignty over your life and nobody should have that done. I mean, we see this in China, like the social credit system. Oh, you look after your parents, your elderly parents, you get extra social credits. You're allowed to have XYZ better schooling for your kids, whatever the case is. I don't know exact, you know, stuff. Yeah. But that, we don't want that. We don't want to be rated on our social credit according to what the government of the day says. Like how evil and scary is that, uh, you know? But anyway, I'm going on a bit of a rant. <laughs> so, so listen, some people won't mind it. They'll be like, you know, as long as I can, if I can get paid and I can pay it and I can send this, because CBDCs will be easy. You could be, be able to like cross transfer. It's be a lot cheaper. But the thing that people don't understand is giving up you know, their freedom. If you, if, you, if you don't think Big Brother's not watching, they are. And people will say, well, I got nothing to hide. So go ahead and, and look. That's you. That's not everybody. So it's, and it's, it's, it's not about illicit activities either. It's just if the government tells you, you know, you're not allowed to go to Wellington today and participate in that protest because we're against that protest, uh, which is the sort of thing that's happened here recently. Uh, we'll just shut down your ability to buy a flight. You that's know, scary. you know, that yeah. type of thing that they can do. It's not, you know, they didn't do that in this case, but that's what yeah. can happen. And we need to be aware of that, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in the what's coming because this world is changing faster than what we think. Uh, Rob, you've been absolutely amazing today. I just absolutely so grateful for you and the, the content that you put out daily. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you put out so much great content all the time. <laughs> it's, e- it's a lot easier. Well, I have people that help me now. And then also it's, uh, you know, it's just like you get better at it. just like running. Right. Before yeah. it was, I'm sure it was hard to keep a certain pace. And as time goes on, it's like, ah, this is just what I do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you just get out there and you've got such a massive following. So, uh, Rob, where can people find you, your website, your YouTube channel? Uh, we, we're going to put all the links, but just, you know, give us, give us a, sure. a rundown. There's really three places. Um, we've got digital asset news for the YouTube. So some people will call me Dan because digital asset, D-A-N, yeah. but my name is Rob, <laughs> but that, it doesn't matter. You can call me whatever you want. And then of course we have, and then if you go to YouTube, all our links are there to Twitter. It's at news asset, but the big one is, and maybe this is some that might help your, your audience is, uh, the website, Dan teaches crypto.com. It's hundred percent free. I made it hundred percent free because I mean, people in first world countries like ours can, can, it might not be a big deal to pay five bucks, 10 bucks per month, but around the globe, like we talked about the unbanked, they can't pay that. So I made it hundred percent free. And it's all the things that I've screwed up and found out and figured out along the way and, uh, go there and check it out. Yeah. Uh, this is, and that's gold because you go in there and you want an education in crypto. That's what you're going to find there in a good, safe, 
grounding in this space because there's a hell of a lot to learn. So thanks for your service to everybody. Thanks sure. for uh, everything you do. You, you're absolutely amazing. We're going to put the links to the masterworks and things like that, which we didn't get to talk about today, but it's oh, fascinating yeah. for me. I haven't got that far into my investing yet, but an uncorrelated asset and masterworks. We'll put time. the links in, in all of that down below. Uh, yeah. Rob, thank you so much for your time. Um, and yeah, I hope we'll catch up again in the future. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com 